There's a scripture I want to read to you. It has great meaning for for probably all of us today in in our world, in our culture, in our the atmosphere we find ourselves. But David made an interesting statement in his writings in the Psalms. I I like the Psalms. I was sitting at my desk the other day in my office and I began to read this verse of scripture and as I did I began to feel my spirit being lifted up and begin to magnify and glorify God. Because I think David did that in the Psalms. I think sometimes we need to be grateful more so than we are. I'm not talking about this church. The next one I'm going to is for them, but I'm practicing on you. But to be grateful, to be thankful for what the Lord has done. Sometimes we don't think he's doing anything when he's doing more than you can imagine. Sometimes he's moving the obstacles in front of you, away from you, and removing the things that have drugged you down and releasing you from those chains and bondages so that you might move freely into the presence of God. In Psalms chapter 18, David makes a statement in verse 29. I like the first three words, for by thee. He doesn't attribute it anything to, of, of himself. He doesn't attribute it to his intellect, doesn't attribute it to uh, his um, position in the world that he lived in. He doesn't attribute this to a passing fancy or a mythology or some kind of mystic revelation. He simply says, for by thee, for by thee. David knows who knows who's he, who he's talking about. And then he says <clears throat> beyond that, For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. Powerful statements, powerful words. By thee, he simply says, I couldn't do it on my own. I've endeavored on many occasions to take care of myself to uh, I've done everything that I possibly could but there comes an occasion in my life where only God can intervene and David simply says for by thee I have run through a troop he's talking about adversarial conditions he's talking about the enemy who rises up an army against you the devil never comes at you with one thing he comes at you with multiple obstacles and instruments of war to, to defeat you. But David says, I, by thee I have run through a troop. Something in him that God has placed that all of a sudden when he sees the adversaries that are against him, when he sees the, the trouble and the insurmountable obstacles that lie ahead of him, something overwhelms him and overcomes him. He just doesn't fight, but he runs through the troop. Dust doesn't have to pick up one at a time, but he moves through them. And then he says, by my God, have I leaped over a wall. I think that's pretty powerful. I, I thought about uh, uh, Joshua, and, and he's, he's crossed the, the Jordan River, and there lies in front of him Jericho. 
You see, God had already promised Jericho before Jericho was Jericho. Yeah, thank you for those three holy murmurs. I will take them. You see, a lot of things that God had already promised to the Israelites and to Israel and and to David had already uh, been occupied at that time. But there was a time when they weren't occupied by that army or this army. But it doesn't make any difference who's standing on the property. Because it still belongs to God. David, not by his own merit, not by his own strength... He says, I've run through a troop and I've leaped over a wall. Let me say to you right now, in case you haven't discovered it, there will always be challenges and obstacles in your life serving Christ. But they're not there to be somehow defeating to you. They are there so that you might run through the troop and then leap over a wall. Obstacles and challenges of life that every one of us face. There's no one in this room that has never faced an obstacle or a difficulty. But David said, I've run anyhow. I've, I've leaped over a wall. I've run through a troop. I remember reading some time ago, this will kind of bear importance, I think, in the message, but in 2007, in February, three runners, one an American, one from Taiwan, and one from Canada, These three men put their hands down in the Red Sea to signify that they had finished 111 days of running that had taken them through six countries and the Sahara Desert. They had ran over 4,300 miles. They ran an equivalent of two marathons a day. That equals over 52 miles every day for 111 days. The journey was one of extremes and obstacles. The runners dealt with tendonitis, cramping, knee injuries, running through turbulent conditions. The, The sun temperatures over 100 degrees Fahrenheit during the day. And sometimes at night it was below freezing. But they put their hands down in the Red Sea to signify The race had been accomplished. It had finished. I know a little bit about running. I used to run a lot more than I do now. I I enjoy running. I was running not long ago, and I was enjoying the run until a 10-year-old boy passed me. (laughs) Then I realized my running was a fast walk. But I've never ran the Sahara Desert, never ran the uh, 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 over six countries, never ran the 4,300 miles. But we're facing obstacles today that we've never seen before. Some of us will never run the Sahara Desert. Some of us will never run through six countries. But what you're running through now is going to measure up insurmountable on a lot of occasions and seem almost impossible to make. But David said it best, by thee have I run. By my God, have I leaped over a troop. All I can say to you, I remember my mother, she was an old-fashioned Pentecostal lady. She was one of those kind of Pentecostal people that I was not fondly of. She was one of those that liked to pray over everything and everybody. And especially because I think I was her main goal, she loved to pray over me. And she's one of those kind of ladies, I told this before, but you act like you've never heard it, I'll appreciate it. 
But my mother, she would say to me before I was going to go out and meet my buddy, she'd say something that only in a way that a mother could do. She would say it fondly and affectionately. Leo, just before you leave, let me pray for you, for your safety. Let me just pray for you. You don't mind, do you, Leo? Well, before I could answer, she had a hand grip on my arm. And then she began to pray. The most gentle, the most kind, the most... Uh, reverent kind of prayer it was a it was almost one of those kind of prayers that make you want to weep and she would begin that prayer oh lord look after leo thank you god that you that your your hand is upon his life and that you're going to protect him and look after him and about that time because i was ready to say amen my mother would get a death grip on my arm and then the next words out of her mouth were frightening she said god i rebuke the devil in leo's life Man, I mean, went from high to low in just a matter of moments. But my mother used to sing an old song. I've been running for Jesus a long time, and I can't stop now. Nothing was going to prevent her from running through the obstacles of life. Nothing was going to prevent her from praying for me. Nothing was going to stop her from enduring everything that was going to come down her life's road. But she made up her mind like David did. By thee have I run through a troop. And by my God have I leaped over a wall. I'm going to say to you, turn to somebody and say, don't stop running. When you feel incapacitated, anybody ever felt incapacitated, unable, injured by life, disabled by fear? We've, we've been weakened by doubt. We've been undermined by failures of others and our own failures. Yet David says, don't stop running. I understand these things. When I'm assailed by any of these things that fear and doubt and failure, I think about the words of the Apostle Paul, and I adhere to them, and I'm encouraged by the words of Paul. Paul's one of my kind of guys that I look at, and I thank God he was a man of strength and in character and endeavor, and he took his stand. In Acts, he makes this statement, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, he makes this statement, but none of these things move me. Oh, I wish I had said that. I wish I could have said that. I've, I let things in life detour me. I let things in life change my direction. I've let things in life make me fearful. I've let things in life that frighten me. I was afraid to move forward. But, but Paul said, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear to me. And then he says, so that I might finish the course. Can you imagine him saying that? None of these things moving, but I've encountered. He's been, he's been in jail, spent most of his ministry in jail, persecuted by those around him, rejected by the community that he was born in. He had two citizenships. He was a citizen of the Hebrew nation and a citizen of Rome. As a matter of fact, one time they were persecuting him so bad, they were going to flog him and beat him. And Paul turned to the, the soldiers and said, is it legal for you to do this to a Roman citizen? And they stopped because they were frightened of what him said. But all of these things, he said, I, I, I've endured them, I've encountered them, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life of any worth that I might have the ministry of Jesus Christ and testify of the gospel of grace. Oh, man. To testify of the gospel of grace. By grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. For those of you that have not figured it out yet, my message title this morning is Don't Stop Running. 
Derek Redmond was a, 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 a runner in the 400 millimeter race uh, in Barcelona, Spain in 1992. Pulled a hamstring, but Derek didn't quit running. A man jumped out of the stands and ran over to Derek and put his arms around Derek and helped Derek finish the race. And after the race was finished and Derek and this man crossed the, the, the finish line, the, the photographers and the, the interviewers, they didn't even head to the man who ran the race and won. They ran to Derek. They, they got up next to him and said, Derek, you, you knew you weren't going to win. Uh, you, you could have quit and stopped. And by the way, I said, who was that man? Did you know him that came over out of the stands and grabbed you and pulled you across the finish line? Derek said, yes, I know him. He was my dad. You see, no matter what you think, God is not a bystander. He's not going to sit on the sidelines and let you go in by yourself. You may not know it, but he's not a bystander. He's going to help you finish the line. He's going to help you move to the other side. I like what I read, heard, uh, read and heard recently. While the devil is trying to destroy you, God is trying to develop you. God is trying to pick you up. How much does God love you? How much does He care for you when you're facing life's challenges? I, and I, I read this and I put it together. You see, the race of life, race is what you're running. That's what Paul was running. That's what David said, by thee have I, I ran through a troop and leaped over a wall. And then it dawned on me, if I put G in the front of race, I get grace. And so I'm running with grace. I'm running with favor. Turn to somebody and tell them, run on. David reveals to us some things about himself. I, I like David. David has a great, a great honesty about him when you read his writings. Listen to what David says, and perhaps this will resonate with you. David says this, Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. Is there anybody else in this room that besides me that understands that scripture? Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. And then he says, O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. But God does something to him that helps him, that, that challenges him. I think David, when he says these words, Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. I think David remembers when he's talking to the uh, uh, talking to Saul, when he's talking to Saul in the book of Daniel, and and David and Daniel and, and Samuel reiterates the story, and Saul says to David, "Look, I know you want to fight Goliath, but." Try on my armor and put it on it. It'll help you. And he says, no, I, I can't use your armor. It won't do me any good. But David says something to Saul that we all need to remember. The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. No matter what you're going through, God is able to make you run through the truth and make you leap over the wall. The Lord delivered me. The Lord delivered me. Again, David says, I've run through a troop. I've leafed over a wall. David doesn't dismiss the fact that there will be adversaries and discouragements that are getting in your path to try to hinder you and try to stop you. If you didn't have any worth or value to God, the devil wouldn't mess with you. You need to understand that your worth and value by God was valued at the life and the expense of Christ when God sent His Son. 
Paul makes this statement again when he comes into Macedonia. He's, he's traveled. He's, he's been in, in, in de- desperate situations in storms. And he makes a statement in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, we, we came to Macedonia. Our flesh had no rest. We're troubled on every side. Without, we're fighting within with fears. But Paul didn't let that stop him. So many of us have let the obstacles of life hinder our progress in serving God. Hindered our progress in worshiping God. We're, we're afraid. But I'm afraid not to worship God. I'm afraid not to worship Him. I want Him to be pleased with the admonition of my heart. I want Him to be pleased with my worship. That when I set before Him, I realize I didn't save myself. He saved me. I realize I didn't heal myself. He healed me. I realize I didn't lift myself up. God became the lifter of my head. I like what Winston Churchill said one time while he was Prime Minister of England. He says, if you have an important point to make... Don't try to be subtle or clever. He says, use a pile driver. Then come back and hit it again. And then come back and hit it again. So I'm going to give you what Paul says. He says, so run that you may obtain. I therefore run. No matter what Paul faced, no matter what the difficulty was, no matter how many people had betrayed him, Demas had traveled with Paul, on many occasions, as a matter of fact, on several occasions, Paul says of Demas, Demas is a servant of mine. He, he works with me. He's a laborer in the body of Christ. And then one day, Demas left Paul. And Paul says about Demas, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. You've got to set your affections on the right kind of things. You've got to set your attention on the right kind of things and the right kind of people. I determined to set my affection on things above, not on things below. I'm not going to let my ineptness, I'm not going to let my inexperience, I'm not going to let my mistakes and my mismanagements override the ability of God to lift me out of the mire and the clay and set my feet on the solid rock. Because God is greater than my obstacles. He's greater than the troop that is against me. And He's greater than the walls that surround me and try to cage me in. God can pull down the walls of Jericho whenever He wants to. Because with Him, All things are possible. All things God can do. There's nothing impossible with God. What a powerful God we serve. What a powerful armor we have. Turn to somebody and say, run on. Run on, run on. You see, the Greeks had a race in their Olympics that was unique and distinctive. People don't talk much about it today. The race was about, the winner was not the first one who crossed the the goal line, the finish line. It was the runner who finished with a torch that was still lit. They had torches. All the runners had torches, but they had to run in such a manner that the light didn't go out. You see, God's not interested in whether you come in first or last. Just wants to be sure that your lamp is still lit. 
that you're, uh, that you're walking and moving and running in such a way that people will see your light and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Don't let the light go out on your, on, on, on your, on your, on your candle or on your, on your torch that you're carrying. Let God move you through that. He's greater than your difficulties. I'm getting ready to close. Maybe. <coughs> Excuse me. There's a story. I'm going to finish with it. With the Lord who will help me. Dick Hoyt. Son Richard. When Richard was born. Richard was born with the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. He was deprived of oxygen. Thank you, sir. He was deprived of oxygen, and he was never able to walk or speak. At the age of 11, the Tufts University in, Man, in, Man, in Massachusetts invented a device, a computer, to help him communicate. They constructed a computer that allowed Richard to laboriously type out a sentence. By hitting a button with a wand on the side of his head. Because his head was the only part of his body he could move. One day Richard heard of a race on television. And wanted to help a young man who had been paralyzed. So he got to his computer. And he typed out this message to his dad. Dad, I want to run. Richard wrote this sentence that changed his father's life. He said this later on. He said, when I run, I don't feel disabled. But let me give you just a little bit of breakdown of Dick Hoyt and Richard, his son. The total events of their life together was a thousand a hundred and thirty events that Dick Hoyt and his son Richard did. Two hundred and fifty-seven of them were triathlons. The running required, a, the swimming required a distance of 2.54 miles, 111 miles on a bicycle, and 26.2 miles running. Dick, his father, pushed Richard in a wheelchair for the running part, pulled Rick in a boat for the swimming leg, and they rode a tandem cycle for the bicycling segments. They ran 72 marathons, 26.2 miles. They ran the Boston Marathon 32 times. You may have seen Richard and his dad back in 2015 with a Fitbit watch commercial they did together. But listen to me carefully. It wasn't Richard that was running. It was his father pushing him when he couldn't do it himself. 
72 uh, uh, marathons, 122 uh, uh, thons all around the world. They ran, but not one time was Richard able to put his feet on the ground. Not one time was he able to pull on the bike. Not one time was he able to swim. And later on in life, he made this statement. Get ready, because I'm about to shout whether you do or not. He made this statement. Richard later said, My dad is my hands and my feet. So I'm here to tell you, will you tell you when you're disabled, when you can't run, God will push you. When you can't make it on your own, God will pick you up. When you can't make the race, God will run with you. You're never alone. You're never by yourself. God is always with you to help you. He'll help you across the finish line of life. You may feel difficulty now. You may feel disabled now. You may feel inadequate now. But God's the one that's pushing you. He'll pick you up when you can't make it on your own. He'll help you across the finish line. Because God is able to do that. God is able to do that. I like the words of Paul in Philippians once again. My God shall supply all your need. This is not even measured into the story of Richard and Dick Hoyt, but I remember running one time and I, I, I didn't have any socks on. I was running in some shoes I thought were good running shoes. And, and I looked down and my, I had blisters on my heels and, and I was hurting and I didn't know what to do. I was going to have to take my shoes off and walk back on... on uh, all kinds of rough, rocky road. And I saw a house over here. And so I, I walked up and they were out in the yard. And I just said, I'm, I'm sorry to bother you, but would you happen to have any band-aids? And the family came out and they gathered around me. And they bandaged me up and I was able to run home. See, I couldn't have done it on my own. But God had somebody waiting for me. God had somebody waiting for me. I'm going to close with these words were found on the wall of Mother Teresa's room in Calcutta, India. I hope they bless you as they have me. People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you would do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, she says, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them. It's not the people that's your difficulty. You got to trust on the one who can take you through the difficulty. He never said there wouldn't be any trials or tribulation, but he said, be of no fear. Be in encouragement. Be encouraged in me. I'll take you through these things. No matter how difficult the situation is, no matter how it looks like it's going to be terminal for you, God is everlasting. 
All things are possible to him that believes in him. Can you say amen? The devil doesn't want you to succeed, but God's going to make sure you do succeed. The enemy doesn't want you to continue your race, but you continue on anyway. Your family and friends may turn their back on you, but God never turns his back on you. It may be difficult things that you're going through today. You may say, Brother Price, I don't have the money. I don't have the ability. I don't have the health. But God's got the money. He's got the ability. And he's got the health. So what am I telling you this morning? Run on. Don't let anything stop you. Run on for Jesus. I'm not going to let the enemy stop me on any capacity. He can break this leg, but I can hop on the other one. He can break the other one, but I can still pull myself along. He's not my leader. He's not my victor. Jesus Christ is. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can win this race. Turn to somebody and say, run on. Turn to somebody and say, the devil's a liar. I'm not defeated. I'm undefeated. I'm going to run on. Because he's with me. In Jesus' name. Stand with me to your feet all across this room. They didn't like Paul because Paul talked a lot about Jesus. They're not going to like you a whole lot when you talk about Jesus. But I'd rather talk about who's helping me than who's hindering me. I'm through with doubts and fears and unbelief about what everybody else says. That's out to them. See, my running is between me and God. I lit my torch. I may not be the first one across the finish line, but when I finish, my torch is going to be lit for the kingdom of God. Reach over and take somebody's hand beside you, close to you. I want to pray. I want to lead you in a prayer. I consider it to be one of the most unselfish Christian prayers that we can pray. I want you to listen to the words as we say them together. I want you to put them into your spirit. Let it be a part of what God is saying to your life today. Because God is doing something in this church this morning that's going to sustain you throughout the rest of your time. Pray this prayer with me and say it out loud. Will you do it? Say this. Say, Father God, in the name of your son Jesus, I thank you that you are God. I thank you for Jesus Christ my Savior and my Redeemer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I'm not praying for myself, but the hand that I'm holding and the people that are around me, I'm praying for them today. Not praying for me. It's not about me. I'm praying for them, God. Whatever they're going through, Whatever the truth is in front of them, whatever the obstacles they're facing, deliver them, set them free, help them run the race. God in heaven, I'm not asking for myself, not praying selfishly, but the hand I'm holding, what they're going through, they may not have told me, they may have not have said anything. But help them in the name of Jesus. Give me strength for them. Give me help for them. Not praying for myself.
But the hand I'm holding, I lift them up. I hold them up in the name of Jesus. And we will finish the race together. We will run, not be weary. We will run and not faint, not praying for myself. But the hand I'm holding, give them strength and courage in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Somebody lift your hands and praise Him in this house. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody needs to shout in this place. Rejoice in the Lord always. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, man. Feels good not to be selfish, doesn't it? Feels good to pray for somebody else. Turn to somebody on either side, even tell them, run on for Jesus. Run on for Jesus. Run on for Jesus. In Jesus' name. Come on, Pastor. Hallelujah.